Welcome to another edition of Hawk Off the Press after the final score. I'm John Seppi, joined by Mike Kloss after Iowa's 22-0 win over Rutgers. A really definitive showing in that fourth quarter. I think it was probably as well-rounded of a Big Ten win as Iowa's had so far this season. Uh, yeah, the fourth quarter they scored three times. That is something that has not been part of Iowa football this season. Uh, scoring five times total hasn't been really real good win, real good win. Uh, this was a, a, a toss-up game coming in. The Nevada odds makers thought so. I think that a lot of people around here thought so. I I, I did. I, I did too. Uh, I, I saw the number eleven defense in the country in Rutgers competing against the number one hundred and thirty-three offense in the country in Iowa's, and I saw trouble. It's like they're going to have to scratch and claw to win again. Well, it was six to nothing after three quarters. The defense was was of course absolutely sensational, but uh, the offense took some burden off of them. Four hundred and two yards. That's a, that's the stratosphere for Iowa football the last three years. The passing game was there. The blocking was there. It was just. Uh, it was offense to go with a, a defensive effort that I think is going to be overshadowed because of the offense playing competently. Yeah, you look at the defensive numbers, 127 yards yeah, against the Big Ten offense. Yeah. Granted, Rutgers is not known as an offensive power, no. but you're still recruiting Big Ten athletes. Well, there. I mean, look, it doesn't matter who you play. When you hold somebody to 127 yards, you've had a sensational day, and they did. You know, seven first downs. The time of possession, this is something that's gone against Iowa in almost every game. And considerably, in this game, Iowa had the ball for 38 and a half minutes. That's due to offense and defense. The offense didn't have a single three and out. So when they weren't scoring, they at least weren't giving the ball right back time after time and giving the opposition good field position. And then the defense got Rutgers off the field time after time after time after time. So, yeah, I mean, you could name several defensive players who who stood out. Uh, That was a complete defensive performance, 34 yards rushing they allowed. And and Rutgers came in here with the Big Ten's leading rusher. Yeah. So uh, it's their best game of the year. To me, it's not even arguable. Yeah, and you – Look at it. Obviously, you'd like to see a little more offense in those first three quarters. But if that last drive at the second quarter of the second quarter, if that doesn't end in an interception, are you talking 29-0 potentially? Obviously, there are a lot of things that go into that. But probably wouldn't be so great for the people who took the under if that were to happen. No. But um, what... what, uh, what you kept hearing from Iowa's players is that even though they did have that pick and it was an ugly pick late, you know, in the last seconds of the first half, it deprived them of a score and took some, seemed to take some air out of the sails. They only lead three to nothing and should have had more points. But that the team felt good about the way it moved the ball on that drive and, and multiple players said so. And in the second half, they had the ball for 13 minutes in the fourth quarter. You know, <laughs> you're doing something right. 
Yeah. Well, it seemed almost like, and there were technically, I think, a couple plays that were in Iowa territory, but it seemed like the ball was mostly on, as we see it from the press box, the left side of the field. Yeah. Just throughout the game and when, or throughout the quarter, excuse me, throughout the fourth quarter. And when that happens, it's usually a recipe for good things. There were a lot of numbers that looked good after looking bad for so many weeks. Yeah. Nine of 18 on third down conversions. <laughs> and Rutgers was two of 11. Uh, Iowa hasn't had anything resembling nine of 18 on third downs and two of two on fourth downs. You know, they, they, uh, I don't think Hill got sacked. There were a couple of close calls in there, but yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, you know, zero sacks for Deacon Hill. Right, and uh, I can... one that got wiped out because of a defensive holding penalty. But mm-hmm. you can say that okay, if the defensive bag didn't hold, he might not have been sacked. You and know, you might have had a guy open potentially. For the second straight game, they had good rushing. Last week's total yards weren't great. They, uh, I'm, I might be getting this mixed up with the. Uh, uh, Wisconsin, they had yeah, the they, good rushing. These games all blur together for me. I'm sorry. But but they had a great rushing day. How about if I just say that? 179 yeah. yards. You'll take that every week against anybody. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, that was statistically the nation's number 11 defense. Ohio State got, I think, 320-some yards against them last week. Iowa hangs a 402. So it's, you know... It's not like all of a sudden you've got the Kansas City Chiefs or the, no. the Miami Dolphins, but all you have asked for from your offense for so long is just be competent. And you found out that when they were competent, they put a team away. Yeah, and it wasn't like Deacon Hill was Chuck Long out there, but you don't need him to be Chuck Long out there. I think if he delivers a 20 for 31 performance with one touchdown, one interception, like he did today, that probably with the way that Iowa's defense plays, with the way that Iowa likes to run the ball, I think that's probably serviceable. And I think part of also, I think what we saw was when Deacon can provide some kind of threat in the air. It, I think, gives a lot more opportunities for the running backs. So when everyone in the free world knows that they're going to run the ball and there's no passing threat really to speak of, that's where you see kind of some of those really low rushing numbers that we've seen at points in Big Ten play. But Everybody in the free world. Maybe that's a slight exaggeration. Okay. All right. I'm glad because I, if you really believe that, I would think that maybe you're going to lose some credibility because there are – people across the planet who were blissfully unaware of this game. (laughs) I now think we should touch on something we haven't mentioned, or if we did, I've already forgotten it. Uh, They're one win away from going to Indianapolis. Yeah, it's a very real possibility at this point. You win against either of these next two teams, you go to Indy, and with how wacky the West is, who knows, there could even be a scenario where an 0-2 team could still go. But I think you're not going to have any issues with getting at least one win out of these next two games. It's probably time to think about travel to Indianapolis. Well, you know what? I don't think the team's thinking like that. And, of course, that's the mentality of any team. But Yeah. But uh, my mentality is it's been the weirdest season I've ever covered and 
I don't take anything for granted next week, even tomorrow. However, uh, Illinois is is had just as kooky a season as Iowa in, in some yeah. regards. And uh, they won 48-45 to 45 in overtime today, which does not sound possible, but it did happen. I watched quite a bit of it on TV here in the press box before Iowa's game, and they pulled a quarterback uh, off the second team, and he threw for, what, like 500 yards today? It was a lot. Yeah. Of course, against Indiana. There's I know, that caveat, I know, but. I know, but it's just, what? What? 48 points and 500 passing yards? So it's a, it's a whole new story coming in here, and this team's not, this Iowa team's not good enough to assume anything against anybody, which kind of makes it way more interesting as far as I'm concerned. But if they do get that, I mean, if they do win here next Saturday, you're going to have a celebration. They're going to have a trophy probably. The Big Ten will have a trophy here waiting, and you'll probably have some sort of ceremony on the field after the game, and it'll be kind of kooky. Well, you think about two years ago, they clinched a share of the title technically in Lincoln. So they had that celebration in the locker room. But they didn't know they were going to Indianapolis. We obviously, nobody knew that they were going to go to Indianapolis Uh until Minnesota beat Wisconsin the next day. Right. So I think that kind of maybe tempered the celebration that would have happened had it been in front of 70,000 fans at Kinnick. This could be, now that is, you know, as you're talking about with how weird of a season it's been, you know, nothing to take for granted. But if they do win on Saturday, I think it'll be a special moment at Kinnick. This is oh, yeah. a thing that just doesn't happen super often. No. They've won two division titles in the, let's see, in the previous 12 seasons when they had the divisional setup, whether it be Leaders and Legends or East-West. So it could be a potentially... And still a big if in there, but it could potentially be a cool environment. And oh, I think the joint's going to be jumping. I mean, it was here today. Yeah. I, I was, I mean, they're playing Rutgers, and Rutgers is not a drawing card. Rutgers doesn't. No. I mean, I know they've won six games, but they don't stoke anybody's imagination. They still have the Rutgers yeah, reputation. Yeah, they're still called Rutgers. And, but the place was loud as loud could be. I mean, these the, the, the fans for whatever reason and maybe a 230 game is the biggest reason of them all but they were fired up as much as the team was and so you had your usual assortment of of, uh, false start penalties on the opponent or illegal snap or whatever the, the penalties were and I think that next Saturday is going to be this place is gonna rock yeah well I think that's kind of a wrap on this week's game so thanks for tuning in until next week we will talk hawks later get a daily update from the gazette with our daily news podcast add it to your podcast player or your alexa friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day check it out at thegazette.com podcasts